Good morning, Ohana. How is everybody doing this morning? So we're, we're um, continuing in on our study of the Gospel of Mark. And there's a couple of reminders I want to set up before we, we dive fully in about the Gospel of Mark. Number one, the Gospel of Mark is the shortest gospel. It only has 16 chapters, um, but it is, it is the, the smallest of the gospels. And it's also one of the synoptic gospels, which means it lines up with two other gospels very well. Um, number two is that Mark is an individual that Christians, as a Christian, we have, we have correlation with. If you know the story of Mark himself, Mark was on a missionary journey in the book of Acts with Paul. And actually him and Paul kind of beefed a little bit and, and scrapped a little bit. And then, and then he got kicked off the missionary journey and was sent home. But we, we understand that through the gospel of Mark, that gospel changes lives. So wherever you are in your walk, wherever, whatever your place is right this moment, there's hope in the gospel. If you struggled this morning to come to church, there's hope in the gospel. If you're, if you're excited to be here this morning, there's still hope in the gospel. Because we all probably sinned before we came in here. Most of us probably sinned by looking at football scores during my sermon. Number three, Mark makes a big deal about Jesus. Mark makes a big deal about Jesus. As Ohana Church... We want to make a big deal about Jesus, amen? But specifically, Mark makes a big deal about Jesus in, in Galilee. So what, what is Galilee? That's the Gentile people. Who's the Gentiles? Us. We are the Gentiles people. So it, it, it's a nice correlation as we've been studying through this book of um, how, how the gospel changed Mark and all this stuff that he's speaking majority He's, he's pulling out stories of Jesus um, talking to the Gentiles. So, I believe I'm a little hot this morning on the mic. I can hear it feedback, but that's beside the point. Um, so, if you could with me stand this morning and turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 8. We're three small, short verses, but there's a lot to unpack this morning. Mark chapter 8. Verse 11, if you're, if you're there, say ready. Verse 11, the Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, why does this generation seek a sign? Truly I say to you, no one will be given, no sign will be given to this generation. Verse 13, and he left them, got into the boat again, and went to the other side. You may be seated. Lord, you are good. In the midst of hard text, you are still good. You still love your people, and you're still sovereign over the universe. Lord, so may we gain information, may we gain knowledge of who you really are this morning. May we come to love you more this morning in, in, through this text. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. So I want to make an observation from this, this passage this morning. Um, it's a pretty easy observation, but, but the observation is people are always looking for the next big thing. Who, who knows this to be true? 
Because if you turn on your TVs, I don't know when, when it comes on, I don't have TV. But there's a show called Shark Tank. Who's ever seen Shark Tank? So it's about these multimillionaires and billionaires that, that are looking for the next big idea. But even throughout our lives, like I, I looked up um, on the interweb this week, um, what the big things were throughout my childhood. And especially, hey, hey guys, guess what? We're in November. What does that mean? Christmas is coming. So, so as we get prepared for Christmas, that's how I mark some of my childhood is by what the big things were. So I, I have a couple, and then I was looking for some. Who knows what this thing is with this little red heart on its ear? It's a Beanie Baby. Who remembers Beanie Babies in, the, in 1995 when they were going crazy? My aunt had a lot of them. So this was a big thing at the time. There's another big thing. Let me see what pocket it's in. Who knows what this is? It's an iPod Touch, 2007 classic edition. So this paved the way for most of our phones. This was like the first Apple product that kind of was like, hey, look at us, this and the iPhone 3. So most of our phones are built upon the foundation this thing led. And then lastly, once I moved to Hawaii, there was a couple things um, that, that became really popular really fast. Who has a hydro flask in here? Most people have hydro flask. They became the next big thing. All right, and then there was something because apparently the water had a disease in it for a little while. And so every kid in Hilo had ADHD at one time. So everybody had, what was it called? The fidget spinners, yeah? Because everybody received ADD at the same time. And oh, it, it helps me. Like, what is this? Like, I, I didn't have, so everybody's looking for the next big thing. And that we can see that in our text today. And sometimes, and like you think of, of even today, like this iPad. This iPad has a keyboard, it's all nice. Don't worry, my work bought it. This is not my personal, I'm not, I'm not that. But my work also bought me one of those Microsoft services. Have you seen those where you can rip the keyboard off? All the television, Hawaii Five-O uses them, all that sort of stuff. They're trying to compete with Apple to be the next big thing. That's the search. And so Apple has to keep on adjusting. To, to make sure they, they stay on top. Life is like that. Finances. Look, look, I know, I know a lot of you don't believe this, but if I had coaching ability, I could be a head coach in the NFL because I look like Sean McVay. Thank you. Some people laugh. I look more like Andy Reid. I know that. But, but we'll keep it like that, all right, for the sake of a point. <clears throat> but everybody's looking to be the next big thing. They want to be on top. Then there's another aspect that I want us to look in this passage today. And it's something we've heard a lot of. But I want to phrase it in a different way. A new way. And it's a biblical truth for us this morning. Read it with me. Everything we experience physically is connected with what we know or don't know spiritually. So we've heard it phrased, everything physical is a result of things spiritual. But this is a kind of a fresh way to look at it, and we'll see this in the text today. Everything we experience physically is connected with what we know or don't know spiritually. 
So as we unpack this text this morning, I want us to look at some some large truths. And these are going to be some hard truths, but they're going to be reality truths that come out of this point this morning. The first section is, is what I would call the road of darkness. So on this road of darkness, here's the reality truth for us this morning. Number one, the road to darkness makes us question God with our eyes closed. What do you mean with our eyes closed? Well, look, Verse 11, the Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. The Pharisees in this point in day, their life was made to debate anybody who tested their traditions. Their life was made by who they won arguments with. In this text, like the argue is actually the same word as test. So the Pharisees came and began to test Jesus, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. Can be how it is interpreted. Mark uses this this word argue to set the stage. Because we've studied for so long what Jesus has been accomplishing. But these Pharisees came up to test him. Why did the Pharisees want to test him? Well, he just fed 4,000 with seven loaves. Before he, let, he fed 5,000 with five fish and two loaves. Jesus was becoming the next big thing. They wanted to discredit him because at the time, he was the biggest, they were the biggest thing. They were the high maka people. You liked that, didn't you? Me and Connie's running off on each other. Y'all and high maka like, uh. glory, Jesus. They wanted to discredit the next big thing because they didn't want to be on bottom. Here's a biblical truth for us. It's one thing to put Jesus to the test in faith. It's another to test in unbelief. So when we go to the throne of God, when we have prayer with God, are we going in faith? Are we going in unbelief? Because when we go in unbelief, that's when That's when God distances himself from us. There's always a question when you you evangelize, especially I had this a lot on college campuses when I was back in the day, um, back in the day, all eight years ago or whatever it was. Um, There's always this kind of stupid question. I can say stupid, yeah. Cohen, don't repeat me. Um, There was a stupid question. Can God make a rock so big he can't pick it up? Well, first off, it's a circular argument. But that question is in the state of unbelief. They don't believe God exists to start with, so the the question doesn't even exist in their category. What does it matter if God makes a rock bigger than he believed? He saved our souls. Listen to the setting. Listen to the setting that we were working out here. The Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. 
The passage before that we studied last week, Jesus got on a boat and left after the 4,000. Who remembers that, yeah? All right, so he comes ashore, and immediately these Pharisees roll up. I'm pretty sure the Pharisees had Jesus bugged more than the NSA bugs us today. Political joke. No. Okay. More than Siri listens to us. He had just gotten on a, off a boat. And, these, and the Pharisees come, not in a state of faith, but in a state of unbelief to discredit him. Think about that. Think about that. All right. <clears throat> Yesterday, with my, I'm still getting adjusted to having three kids, yeah? It's, it's a process. It brings sanctification sometimes quickly and sometimes very slowly. Um, sometimes you walk backwards. Yesterday, I had all three at my house, and it was, they showed up around nap time. And I about lost my salvation yesterday. <laughs> like, let's be real. Do I? Even though I don't believe in that. Yeah. I had two in bed, one rocking, and the one in bed woke the other one up in bed because somebody had to go make shishi for the third time in 30 minutes. Like, we, you know what I'm talking about. I don't want to go to bed, so in, I'm going to get up and get my own way. I'm thirsty, and then 20 minutes later, I have to shishi. Like, it was a, it was a constant battle for like 20 minutes. This one didn't go down until like 2.30 or something because this one has to be rocked. Um, but it was a statement of unbelief. The one that got up every 30 minutes, did she really have to go she-she? No, she didn't want to do what was commanded of her. Commanded, I use that lightly. She was supposed to be in bed, but... Oh, we might as well just... Game over. She did not want to do. She didn't go to bed in, in faith that she would fall asleep. She went to bed in unbelief that she could stay up. And so I just gave away which one it was. Um, but when we do stuff in faith versus unbelief, our actions are different. If we go to the throne of God in unbelief, our posture, our prayer life is different than when we go in faith. This is what Lee Strobel says. Lee Strobel was an atheist. He wanted to disprove God, exactly what the Pharisees were doing at this point. And he wrote a book called The Case for Faith. The first one he wrote was The Case for Christ. But he says this, to be honest, I did not want to believe that Christianity could radically transform someone's character and values. It was much easier to raise doubts and manufacture outrageous ob objections than to consider the possibility that God actually could trigger a revolution, revolutionary turnaround in such a depraved and degenerate life. He went out in unbelief. God graciously saved him, but he went out to disprove God, and he came encounter with a true, the true triune God. But when we walk down this road of darkness, which leads us to result number one, we have two results that when we walk down this path, like what, what uh, Lee did here. 
Lee Strobel. Result number one is we, come, we, come, we become blinded to truth. We become blinded to truth. Verse 12 says, and he sighed deeply in his spirit. That verse itself speaks multitudes. And he, Jesus, sighed deeply in his spirit and said, what does this generation seek a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. The only time the word side is used, and really in all of Greek literature, it's only used a fraction of a time, is right here in Scripture. It's the only time this word was used in Scripture. Feel the heaviness of that, yeah? Do you feel the weight of that? When we go to the throne of God in unbelief, we grieve our Savior. When we go to the throne of God in unbelief, we put, the, we put heaviness on the one that died for us his heart. Look at me. When we're blinded, when we're walking down this road of blindness, we can still be around Christians, that doesn't exempt any of us in this room. Because gospel, listen to me, gospel community is not about a building. It's not about being here on Sunday mornings. It's not about being a part of, of even Ohana group. Gospel community is being more dependent on Christ every day. Look, we can have all the programs Look, if you're coming here, and I know we don't have the best facilities, we don't have the best anything, but if you're coming here because we have a children's program, we miss gospel dependency. If you come here because we have our all-star worship band, we've missed gospel dependency. If you come here because I look like Sean McVay, we have missed gospel dependency. I say that jokingly. And if you don't know who Sean McVay is, he's a, a skinny head football coach, but, which is not what I am. But if you come for anything else than Jesus and his bride, we have missed gospel dependency. Look at this, because look at the Pharisees. They missed gospel dependency. They wanted him... They wanted Jesus to increase their value. Look, I work in construction, and the few of you that works in construction or who has ever worked in construction under here knows that it's a, it's a bang-bang system. I am, I am, and the industry I'm involved in, concrete, is one of the most bang-bang places you can be in construction. I've, I was talking to my guys this week. We have, we have to be perfect in order for us to succeed. Um, if you don't know, I, I work at one of the Ready Mix facilities, and we do all the bridges pretty much on this side of the island. If you've ever been on a bridge job, you would know who likes to be iffy driving over a bridge, not me. Like, like it is the most intense thing you could possibly imagine when it comes to construction. But <clears throat> I feel what Jesus felt here. 
in, in a certain way. That people only contact me is to test me or need me. I had a phone call like yesterday in the situation with my kids. This one was about asleep about 1.30. And then I had a phone call. Who works on Saturdays in construction? That's beside the point. I had a phone call and he was up. And it was like, you got to be kidding. Like, the fact that they would call during that time frustrated me. It grieved my spirit because it was my day off, if you know what I mean. And, and I'm going down a semi-rabbit trail. But, but I can see what Jesus meant here by being grieved in the spirit by people just needing him to test him. They don't want him for who he is. They want him for what he can give them. And that's more, that's more, what is it? They want to be the next big thing. So you come join my team and we can be the next big thing together. I just don't want to lose my number one spot. Because look at it, look at it. How long have we been in the book of Mark? A long time. Listen to this. I think it's going to be up on the screen. Look at all that Christ has done. And the, and the Pharisees came up and questioned him. I'm not going to go through all the passages. You can see them on the screen right there. Number one, the man with the evil spirit. Number two, man with evil spirits. These are all the people that Jesus has healed or done miracles so far in the book of Mark. The woman's daughter, the man with the skin issue, the paralyzed man, the man with the paralyzed hand, the woman with the issue of blood, Jairus' daughter, the deaf mute, he calms the storm, he feeds the 5,000, he walked on water, and he feeds the 4,000. Look, if I was Jesus at that point, and I know I'm not, but, if, but my thought process would be, if you don't see the work of the heaven, a gift from heaven, a sign from heaven being outplayed through me, then you're going to miss it if I do it right now. Think about that. If Jesus performed a miracle, but they didn't see the miracles before as a sign from heaven, they would miss it again. There's no evidence that I could do now to prove to you because you come to me in unbelief. You come to me in unbelief. There's another big aspect here. And it's the work of the Trinity in the gospel. We cover this in our membership class. But the role of the Trinity in the salvation of the gospel Jesus was not here to, to quicken the hearts of these Pharisees. Jesus' role in salvation is to provide the path of redemption. He actually needed the Pharisees to provide this path. It's the Holy Spirit's work to quicken the hearts of individuals. So as we see the Trinity at work, we, we realize that there's, there's gifts for all of us. That as the Trinity works in salvation, so should we as the body of believers. Each one of us has a role to accomplish. Jesus came to his, do his part. I want us to look real quick at the book of Matthew. It's the same account. This is part of the Synoptic Gospels. And, and Matthew 16, it says this. He talks about the Pharisees being able to to read the sky. How many of us can read the sky in Hilo? It's pretty easy. If you're, if you're in construction, concrete, you can read the, si the sky really good. 
If it's dark over the bay, you don't pour concrete because it's coming. <clears throat> if it's dark on the mountain, do we swim in the, wa- the rivers? No. You can, read the sky. you can read the sky just like the Pharisees. Look at that. But this is what Jesus responds to them. After he talks about the sky and the signs of the sky, he says this, verse 4 of 16. Let this weigh heavy. An evil and adulterous generation seeks for signs, but no sign will be given to it except for the sign of Jonah. So in this account, Jesus actually does say there's going to be a sign. He's not going to do it now. But we all know what the sign of Jonah is. The sign of Jonah is that Jonah rebelled against God. He went away. He he went to a different town. And on the boat ride to that town, the storm rose. The the captain threw him over the boat, and he got uh, swallowed by a big fish. Yeah? And what happened? He stayed in the belly of the fish for three days. Some scholars believe that he actually died in that belly and then was spit back out because of this passage. But Jesus says, the sign that I'm going to give you is a sign that I'm going to go into the bottom of the pit. I'm going to go into the earth for three days, and three days later, I'm coming back out. And they still all missed it. They missed the sign when it came to pass, but that's for a future thing. Because if we're not, if our eyes, look, if we're walking around Hilo like this, we're not, it's not going to go good. If we're not looking for the active sign, if we're not looking for the actual truth, but want to make our own truth every day, you're going to miss it too. Which leads us, leads us to result number two. Result number two of the pathway of darkness. This is the hard one. We are left for everlasting darkness. And he left them, got into the boat again, and went to the other side. In the context of this passage, this is the last time Jesus had mercy on the Pharisees. This is the last time that Jesus spoke with compassion to the Pharisees. He said, you've done missed it. You've missed the boat. That thing has sailed. And so from here on, out, here on out, he deals with them as a condemning judge. Listen to this passage. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 through 6. In their case, the Pharisees, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, from what we proclaim is not of ourselves, but, but Jesus Christ as Lord. For ourselves, as your servants of Jesus' sake, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of Christ in the face of Jesus Christ. These Pharisees, from this point on, were eternally 
blinded and headed for everlasting darkness. Romans 1.18 says the same thing. It's a little shorter. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. And it goes on in verse 21. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but, in, but they became fruitile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. These men were standing beside the Savior of the world. They physically were standing right beside the Savior of the world and missed it. Some of y'all have come here to, to be a part of Ohana Church because you wanted to be a part of the next big thing. You have missed the Savior. Some of you have, have come looking for the, the signs, the gifts of the giver, rather than the giver of himself. David Platt has a quote. Would you want heaven if Christ wasn't there? Most of us want the gift of heaven more than we want Christ himself. The Pharisees wanted the gifts of the giver more than the giver himself. And I say this. We see in this passage that you can come to church and hear the gospel over and over and over again and be completely blinded. And there comes a day when you never hear the gospel again and you're condemned for eternal darkness. Look, it's heavy. I knew it was going to be heavy coming in. But as a pastor, as a kahu of this congregation, it has to be said. Because if it's not said, I don't love you. That some of you have come and come and come and heard the gospel and, and kind of heard the gospel for weeks. But, but get ready because the ship is sailing. Here's the hope for us to this morning. As we all started down this path of darkness, whatever life you come from, at one point you were on this path of darkness. The hope, though, is reality truth number two. The road of darkness, the road to darkness can also lead us to a merciful Savior. Jesus left the Pharisees in the state they were, on belief. But he didn't stop. Listen to me. We could have 
He could have been like, no, this is pow. Where's Noah? We're going to bring back a flood, but this time it's going to be brimstone and fire. No, 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 no. This is not. Jesus is still merciful because he leaves the few and goes to the many. So even though as we walk and as we share the gospel, there's people in our lives that we're thinking of more than likely that you know you've shared the gospel with or the people in this congregation that, that's heard the gospel, heard the gospel, heard the gospel, heard the gospel and still don't get the gospel. Sometimes you've got to be okay with moving on. You've got to dust your feet off and move on. And the hopes that it leads to a merciful Savior. Look, in the, next couple, in the next few weeks, we'll talk about a blind man that Jesus heals. And we see his mercy pressed out to more people who walks down the road of darkness. Why? Because John said it best. Jesus is the light of the world. So look, I know it's a heavy, heavy passage this morning that Jesus turned his back on the Pharisees and dealt harshly with them. But what I want us to do this morning, as the piano plays, I want you to close your eyes. Close your eyes where you are right now. Take a deep breath. Take another deep breath. Because somebody in here is probably questioning if God is loving because of this passage. So I'm going to read a passage of scripture over you. And just take it in. Ephesians 2. You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And were by nature children of wrath. That was all of us like the rest of mankind. Here's your hope today. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love which he has loved us, even while we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. All of us was once down that path of darkness. Some of us today could still blindly be walking. Walking blindly, seeking for a truth besides Christ. 
The Pharisees were standing beside him. So I cannot promise everybody in this room knows Christ. So here's the truth for us. The final reality truth. A genuine miracle always results in a genuine change. Have you been changed? Have you been changed by the gospel? Are you okay with the same life you lived before? In this Ephesians passage, there's two people. There's two types of people. Those that are dead in trespasses and sins and those that have been but God in. So who are you this morning? Because listen to the attributes. Listen to the attributes of of this. The dead in trespasses. There were sons of disobedience who once, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. Do you fulfill the passions of your flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath? Or are we the but God people, being rich in mercy because of the great love he loved us, that while we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. For grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly are you fulfilling your desires this morning are you fulfill, are you seated with Christ in the heavenly places so here's our response there's two sets of responses because there's two types of people in, in this room this morning the first one these are the but God people these are the one that's been saved but you still could be walking blindly through this world. You still could have your vision blurred by the lure of things, wanting to be the next big thing. Here's our response. Recruit an accountability partner. Have Live life with somebody in this room this morning. Don't hold it all to yourself. Because Guess what the heart wants us to do? Live by ourselves and we blind ourselves. Receive regular counsel from him or her. And then renew your walk with the Lord this morning. Our second response is for the people that are dead in trespasses and sins. This is what I would urge you today. If you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, I beg of you this morning to come to the altar. The Alakai will be up front. I'll be up front. And meet Christ.